And those, and those eight and nine clipboards are up here for you, so you can come and get those. main text is actually one verse, but that's not really where I'm going to be preaching from. That's what I'm going to be preaching about, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, let's have a word of prayer, and then I'll start with my intro, and we'll go from there. Gracious Father, you're an amazing God. We're grateful for your love. We're grateful for your constant presence. We are grateful for your word, where we can learn about you where we can learn about living as you designed us to live. We thank you for bringing us into your family. And even as we look at your word this morning, I pray that we will find an excitement about looking at Jesus Christ, your son, anew, looking at other things about him as things we may know, things we may need reminded about, or things we may just be learning. But teach us, Lord. Help us today to grow because of your word and because of your spirit that you've given us, not just to comfort us, but to teach us. So teach us as we hear your word this morning. Help us to grow by it, that we might be more like your son, Jesus Christ, and we pray it in his name. Amen. So you're joining me in my study this morning, and uh, it'll be an interesting study. You'll find out when we get to the main verse what I'm basically after. But we're going to start off, I read from Isaiah 42, and I read from there on purpose because it kind of reflected some of what we're going to study, um, and then uh, we'll be looking at some other verses. When Jesus was coming onto the scene, he first went and was baptized by John the Baptist, and then after John the Baptist, he was tempted. And after his temptation, he actually started his ministry. And we're going to go to one of those places in my introduction just for you to remember and to think about as we go through other passages. After Jesus' announcement in the synagogue in Nazareth, he began his ministry on earth, which would last about three and a half years. Now I want you to imagine, I want you to let your imagination take you here as I read, and you just imagine what I'm reading about. Imagine you've been waiting your whole life. Like the nation Israel, your nation has been waiting for its king and savior. And now before you in your synagogue in lowly Nazareth, Jesus turns the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet to Isaiah 62, one and two, opening it so that all would know he was reading the word of God. Now, you don't suppose Jesus needed to know that. He knew the word of God, came from him, but he opened it so that you would all know, just as I opened the scriptures, hoping you'll realize I'm preaching from the scriptures, not something I've made up. He opened it to read this. In turning there, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, 
because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He sits down. Now, if I stopped right now and sat down, you'd all wondered what in the world I was doing. But there, it was not unusual for them to read the scripture and then sit down and speak. And he sat down, and as he sat there, I, people knew about him. He'd already been preaching and teaching. Uh, he had started his career, and here he was in Nazareth. He'd gone back to Nazareth to preach in the synagogue as well, as was his habit. And everybody's sitting down waiting for him to speak because his fame in preaching the word of God has already grown. Everyone is waiting, perhaps barely breathing, waiting for Christ when Christ announces, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And you've waited and known this story all of your history, all of your life. And now he says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. That should stir you up, get you excited, and it did them. In fact, all spoke well of him and wondered at his gracious words. They wondered that the speaker is Joseph's son. How could he know all this? When all this is over, I'm not reading the rest of that passage, when all this is over, it doesn't end well. As Jesus offends them with the truth, a prophet is not accepted in his hometown. They try to kill him. City's built on a, a high hill, and uh, there's a cliff out there, and they walk him out to that cliff, and their plans are to throw him over. But Jesus Christ walks right through the crowd and continues his ministry. That comes from Luke 4, verses 14 through 30. If you want to read the rest of the story, you can go there and read the rest of the story. Jesus introduces who he is to his hometown. He does use a couple of others, uh, reminding him that uh, not everybody was healed, not everybody was cleaned of leprosy, not everybody, and he goes through these different things, and it offends them terribly because you know what they want to see. They want to see some miracles. They want to have people healed in their hometown. They want them to do something at home. But that's what they want. This is what they got. So then my verse that we're going to is John 21, 25. It's the very last verse of John. He says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them was written down, I suppose the whole world would not have room for all the books that would be written. Now, you have the scriptures, you have lots of stories, and in the process, we're going to go through some of them. But as I do that, I'm going to show you that there was a lot that wasn't written. I want to somehow impart to you an awe and excitement about who your Savior Jesus Christ is. You have an incredible Savior. He did many, many things 
and many of them are written about. And we're going to go to one of those. We're going to go to Matthew 4, verse 23 through 25. Taking you there, it's early in his career. You, you uh, not expecting what happens here uh, this early. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now, I take you there. Jesus now is going out. He's out in Galilee. He's preaching. And he's teaching the kingdom of God. He's preaching the good news. He has a message. In fact, at one point, some of them try to stop him from going. He says, I've got to go. I've, this is my job. I've got to take this other places. I've got to preach this message. And he's out there preaching and while he's preaching, he's doing these amazing things. Now keep in mind, in Joel, there is a prophecy about him that when he comes, people will be healed. Amazing things will happen. People will even speak in tongues and all kinds of things to acknowledge his presence, that he's here. It's to, to show as a prophecy that he would show up on the scene. And here he is on the scene. He's already announced himself. He's on the scene. He, He's talking to them about the good news, and he's healing. Now, you notice it says, healing every disease and sickness among the people. He's in Galilee. He's, he's near the border of Syria, and he's speaking, and he's sharing this with them, with all these people, and he's healing. Imagine you're in his presence. You're part of it. There are a lot of people in here who could use a little healing, don't you think? Yeah. He was doing it. He was healing. We'd love to have Jesus show up right now and heal everybody in here. Solve all the problems. Take care of everything. We'd be, we'd be healthy for one day. You realize we have a sinful earth. Being healthy for one day doesn't mean you're going to stay that way. Our earth pr provides for us lots of diseases and things to cause problems. So that's still going to be here. But for one day, he heals and all these people are perfectly fine. Now, that's the message that he starts with. What I want you to hear is what, he, what you don't hear about as much. And that's the very next part of the verse. What happens? It says news about him spread all over Syria. Syria has nothing to do with him. But news spread all over Syria and what was spreading. Not just the good news, but the fact that he was healing people. He was doing his amazing miracles. And so what happens? People brought to him all who were ill. Try to re read all those really quickly without taking a breath. And it comes out something like this. With various healing those who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Do you fit in that list anywhere? Sure. 
Somewhere in there, you probably, if you're ill, you fit. If you're suffering with pain, I'm there. Half of me is doing better. The other half is still suffering. That sounds funny, but I had a breakdown. So anyway, um, those suffering various diseases, those demon-possessed, those having seizures, the paralyzed, and he healed them. We know individual stories, but imagine, just for a minute, all of those in Syria being healed. So there was no illness, no, no demon-possessed, no crazies, no, no problems of any kind. And for one day in Syria, everybody was fine, was great. The old people weren't even in pain anymore. Everybody was raring to go. As far as I know, nowhere in Syrian history, as far as I know, I've tried to find out if anybody thought that, records this. I thought probably the reason is the king didn't want anybody to know. Might have taken his power away from him because this man was able to heal them all. But he healed them and he had a message. A nation that he hadn't even came to originally, not part of Israel, and he healed all of them. Now, how many stories would that be? I want you to catch that. Sometimes you hear a miracle here, and we're going to hear some more, but it's the next sentence that often stretches your imagination. All right, so he healed the demon-possessed. You've read that story before. So, yeah, but then it reads, and many believed and were healed. Or many believed and this happened, and many believed. And, and what you soon get is that if you wrote everything down that happened at that one event, it would be volumes already. And we haven't even got to the next event. This is Christ, in all of his power as God, able to take all of that stuff and heal it. And there were multitudes involved in it. I like that verse in John because to me it stretches your imagination. It forces you to realize that Christ did more than just the things you read about. There were many more things that were done. And it was by his power that it was accomplished. He was all God. What is there that God cannot accomplish? What is there that Jesus Christ cannot accomplish? What is there that the Holy Spirit in your life cannot accomplish? Nothing. We gain our greatest joy when we realize that we're in the best hands possible to take care of our life and we're willing to be there. When we fight that, you know, you're fighting a great power and it takes a lot of energy. And so we wear out and, and we struggle and we get frustrated and that's just normal life, not entering into all the other things that can happen to us. But we have a God who's great enough to meet our need, to give us grace when things don't go away, to give us strength to continue on until God calls us home. However you want to word it, this Jesus Christ has the ability 
And here, he healed them. The end result is that large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now, if you want to know what that's like, you take all of Israel and some more. And all of that country was, all of those people were trying to follow him around. People from different places were following him around. He didn't go anywhere. It seemed like that he wasn't being followed by a crowd. Once in the scripture, he even gets in a boat and tells them to take him to the other side. When he leaves, they see that he's left and there's still one boat left. So what happens? A whole bunch of them get in the other boat and they head for the other side. When he gets there, there's people waiting for him there. He can't, he can't get away from people because he's doing amazing things. And he's sharing a message that, as we heard a minute ago, was full of grace, was full of, of possibilities they thought were never possible. Remember, the scripture tells us that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if it's the same Jesus, what can he do today? He can still do those things. Will he do them as often? At that time, it was a message to Israel that he really was there. But he still does amazing miracles. We're going to talk more about those as we get to the last message, the third one in the series. I can't give you everything in one message. That would be too much. So we're going to turn now to Luke chapter 4. I'm going to take you to another story that you probably know. Did you all know that he healed all the people in Syria once? Wanted you to see that. I think that's just so exciting to see all this extra stuff he did. So here in, uh, in uh, Luke 4, we just got done with him uh, taking care of uh, having that quote, you know, and uh, him talking to the Nazareth and uh, to them in Nazareth and uh, in the synagogue and them trying to kill him. And so the crowd... Uh, uh, wants to get rid of him and he walks through the crowd and leaves so then he went down it says to Capernaum a town in Galilee and then and on the Sabbath began to teach the people they were amazed at his teaching because his message had authority they were amazed here again the people were amazed they're hearing this man preach and they're amazed uh, keep in mind Jesus had no formal training like we would think of. He wasn't a Pharisee. It wasn't like he, he studied to get all of this. He was God. He had limited access. And he was presenting the truth, the message he was, brought, was sent to bring. And they were amazed at his teaching because not only was his message amazing, but he preached it with authority. My, I can't preach with my authority because who am I? If I tell you these stories and you listen to me, you can say, ah, that's mentor. He doesn't know anything. But if I come and preach the word of God in the power of the spirit, that's different because he's the one doing the work. If it was Christ up here, you'd have no question that it was powerful. 
So here he's teaching this amazing message. And in the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. This is in the middle of the synagogue. There was, there was an evil sinner in the middle of the synagogue. Don't suppose any of us were that before we came to know Christ, evil sinners. I was. I came to church here before I knew the Lord. I would have matched that description. I'm not possessed by a demon. But a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, he cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. That's an evil spirit talking. Uh, what's he afraid of? What do you think, Andrew? What's he afraid of? An evil spirit. What's he afraid of? Who's Jesus? So what's he afraid of? Yeah, excellent. You knew that already. You just had to have me lead you there a little bit. The bottom line is, here's Jesus Christ on the scene, and they're afraid of him. It's not their time yet. At least they don't think so. He cries, be quiet. Come out of him. The demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. So now the man's free. All the people were amazed. Said to each other, what is this teaching? With authority and power, he gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. I suppose if we started having lots of healings and stuff here, and we experienced the casting out of a demon in our midst, probably have all, all have a little different view of your life, wouldn't you? A little different view of who Jesus Christ is? Well, he's trying to give you that view. He's trying to get you to see who he really is. The scriptures are trying to help you grow to know Jesus Christ more. Paul often prays that, that it would be his prayer for you that you would know God more and that you would know of his love, the height, the breadth, the length, and the depth of it. Well, that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to draw people into realizing who he really is. And the news spread about him, the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. In the very next passage, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked her fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. It's one thing you have to know about Jesus. When he heals you, it's complete. You're ready right now. The paralyzed man didn't slowly get up and work the kinks out. He got up and started to dance. He was excited. Here, she gets up and she starts to serve right away, begins to wait on them. When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. 
But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he, he was the Christ. Even when he tries to get away and people try to keep him there, this is where the verse comes, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Now, every time so far of the ones we've read, he does a healing or casts a demon out, and the end result is lots of other people show up on the scene. They want the same thing. They want to be healed. They want to see this displayed. They're excited. This is Jesus, and he's preaching a message to them about the kingdom. They'll soon find that his message includes his death. But right now, they're looking at the kingdom. They're looking at, this is the one. They're starting to get an inkling. He's the one who's going to lead him into the kingdom age. Everything will be perfect. Here on earth, it'll be as perfect as it can get, but they'll still be sinners. However, here, we are sinners and he's healing. He's doing amazing things. You've got to see the amazing things. You want to get caught up in them. Get excited. Because this is the Christ that you believe in. He's the same as he always was. He always could do these things, and he still can do these things. He does greater things even than this. But we're not going to talk about that because that's the third message. I'm just teasing you, trying to remind you that there's a, more messages coming. Some of them may be shorter than others, but you never know how long you're going to preach until you start. The bottom line is that, that every time something happens, every time that Christ responds to a need, he ends up responding to many. Here it says he laid hands on them. Did you catch that? How personal is that? And what did he say? And how did he have time to do all this? When you start reading the scriptures and start realizing what he did, you start thinking, boy, if I was there to write all that down, that would have been cool. How do you keep up with him? If he was just here and healed everyone in here, laying hands on him, who could write him down fast enough to keep up? We'd be using our phone and talking into it. That'd be how we'd keep up. Wouldn't use, we wouldn't write. We'd use the phone and hope it keeps up. And then later when we look back, we wouldn't be able to read half of it. The bottom line is, Christ is working here. He's changing lives. He's affecting people. And yet, as we look into this later, you'll find people didn't believe. They loved all the stuff he did. They thought he was from God, but they didn't believe. They didn't grab a hold. They 
People would even come just for this reason, just to see him heal people, just to be healed. They had no interest in who he was. It's just what he could do. We have all these things happen, and uh, Jesus even tries to get away and can't get away. He finally decides to call some people to uh, walk this walk with them. The apostles are going to start getting called. And it says one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now Simon, this is Simon whose mother had been healed, and he says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. You ever meet anybody that they say something to you and say, but because you said it, I'll do it. Met a few like that. I can remember my dad telling me how to fix a car. If he told me what to do, I listened to him because he was usually right. I was still learning. I imagine if I had a problem with my grapes and I talked to John, John could tell me how to fix it. And I'd listen to him because he's been doing it for years. But here was Jesus Christ. These guys have been fishing all their life. And he says, I, I want you to put out. And he says, okay, but only because you said so. I'm going out because you said it. Nobody else would get me to do this. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So he signaled their partners in the other boat to come out and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Again, I want you to catch what happens. Here they are. They've gone fishing with the Lord. They had no luck all night. They've been up all night fishing. And yet they go back out to fish one more time. And so many fish are caught in the net that they needed help and brought the other two out with them to pull them in. They get it filled and they realize who this is, at least partly. And they bow before him. Peter reacts by falling to his knees. They get back to shore, and he says oh, on the way in, oh, Peter, by the way, you're going you're to catch men now. You're going to be fishers of men. You're going to catch men. 
So they get to shore, and what do they do? Well, they sold all their fish. Then they went with them. That isn't what the scripture says. It says they left everything. They left everything. Can you imagine? You got the biggest load of fish you ever got in your life. You pull it up on shore, and you walk away to go be with Christ. I suppose after that, you'd think you could pretty much get fish anytime you needed them anyway. And there'd be some truth to that, probably. The bottom line is, they recognized who he was, and it changed their lives. Peter wanted him to go away. He was a sinner. Didn't feel like he should be in his presence. But the Lord said, you're going to fish for men now. They left everything and followed him. As I share these different stories, my purpose is to make you take a look and see the responses. You get a different response here than you've had so far. There were those that probably worshipped him. But many of them just came to be a part of what was going on. To be healed, to have someone healed in their family, to have a demon to watch a demon get cast out or to have it cast out of them. They were all showing up, just like in Syria. They brought them all around. you think all those people in Syria came to know the Lord that day? I doubt it. But they did get healed that day. Christ showed them mercy and grace. Here he grabs hold of some of them and they say, okay, you're the one, in essence. He says, follow me. And they follow. When Christ comes to us, we hear the truth about Jesus Christ and we come to him and he says, follow me. Through the next three messages, one of my biggest emphasis will be, what are you going to do with him? You know him as Savior. You know in the scriptures that he loves you and that he has died for you and that he rose again that you could have life. You know that he has power to heal or power to give strength or power to give grace through hard events. You know that what he does is always exactly on point. What are you going to do with him? He wants your undivided servanthood. He wants you as his children to see only him as the head of your life. To see him as the center of everything that happens and put him there and follow him. These men had this big event and he says, follow me. And come on, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And they followed him. And eventually you'll Later in the scriptures, you'll find that they say, and, and at this time, they believed in him. But it took a while for some of them to come to that point. But they were following him, but he wants our all. He wants us to focus on him. It may change decisions we would like to make. Change them into something we thought we'd never change them into. And that's what he wants. He wants you. If you're his child, he wants you to follow every step of the way. He wants you 
to have him as the center of your attention. So that the first thing you think about when you wake up is Jesus Christ. Or when you wake up in the middle of the night, it's Jesus Christ. He's the center of your life. And for today, that's what I want you to start getting a hold of. This amazing Jesus Christ touched lives and affected them. And he has touched yours. He's looking for your response. Let's have a word of prayer. Gracious Father, you are an amazing God. We're thankful for your goodness and your love, the way you care for our needs. Lord, we see in your word these things that happen and they're almost too much for us to imagine. And yet, this is who you are. Way too much even for us to imagine. But help us, Lord, to get a picture of just how amazing you are. Might we put ourselves totally into your hands and become your sons and daughters. Thank you for this time to read your word. Help us as we sing and as we leave here that we might just go out keeping our eyes better on you. That we might be excited by what you can do by your power in our life through your spirit. Thank you, Father, for this time in Christ's name. Got my hymn book. Seven hundred and twenty, I think. Jesus loves even me. Should I shut this off now so you can switch over? Okay, Jesus loves even me. Let's stand and sing. Jesus loves even you. He even loves me. I, I am, I, I am so glad, I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in that book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Though I forget him and wander away, still he doth love me wherever I stray. Back to his dear loving arms I would flee when I remember that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Oh, if there's only one song I can sing, when in his beauty I see the great King, this shall my song in eternity be. Oh, what a wonder that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Just a way of announcement. Don't forget, there's lots of soup. Please come and eat.
because I don't want to take all mine home with me. I'm on a diet. I'm trying not to eat. Okay, let's have a word of prayer. Gracious Father, it is amazing. Your love, the way that we see it poured out throughout Scripture, the things you did in just a short period of your life to show your love and to preach the gospel. Lord, work in our lives. Help us to be excited about who you are, to grab hold of the very fact that putting ourselves in your hands will give us the very best of life. Might we, Lord, look on you and rejoice. We praise you, Lord, for your love. We praise you for the very fact that you are the same today as you were in the past, and you will always be the same. Thank you so much, in Christ's name, amen. You're dismissed. Hi, did you hear the whole message?